0: Hey, good morning. good morning. Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. There's so many faces that we haven't seen in such a long time. And you're coming back. There's, please keep in prayer. There are a lot of people traveling this week as, as the university is getting ready to start classes. So next week, it's going to be like homecoming all over again. So great. Glad you're here. My name's Tom, if I haven't met you. Um, it's time for Children's Church. So if you're ready, set, go. All right. It's so glad, I'm so glad to be back with you. I missed you last week. Um, I want to thank Pablo Mirhead right there. Would you join me in thanking him for the message? God bless you. We're thanking God for you. We know he's getting the glory. But Pablo, turn around for the people. You see, he's got little alien ears. So these, I'll be playing with this a little bit today. And that's why. God bless you. I love you. Bye. Yeah, that Britney Spears mic. You got the moves though, I've seen it, I've seen it. All right, all right. Well, we are back in our study of Revelation. Uh, We had taken a hiatus to do some series in there, but we're back and we're back with a vengeance. This is gonna be great. So uh, we're back in Revelation 18, but we need to take a quick pit stop before we get there in Matthew chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 13. If you have the U version on your phone or your tablet, boot that up because we have a live event. If you're not using this and you have a smartphone, I want to encourage you to do it. Every week we do a live event. It's loaded with all the scriptures, all the videos, places for notes, and things like that. And not only can you participate in the weeks when we do questions or polls, but if you take notes where we, we provide areas in that to take notes, at the end you can email all that stuff back to yourself, and you'll have a record. So if you want to go back and, and study more in a certain area, and we might put extra resources um, on there like we did two weeks ago. Um, it's a great thing to have. Um, just remember when you boot it up, turn your ringer off because, um, God will call you, but he's not going to use this. Okay. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to use one, look under one of the seats in front of you. If you don't own one, that's yours to keep, take it with you. Um, I can't tell you how important reading that book, the Bible, is. Because those of us who do it, it's like rocking our world continuously. And we want everybody in on that experience. Hey, even if you don't believe what it says, read it anyway. Read it anyway. See, I don't believe what it says on the nutrition labels of Haagen-Dazs Swiss chocolate almond, but I read it anyway. Right? So, so try it. The Bible, not the ice cream. Right? Um, but here's the thing as you read it, even if you don't believe it over time, over time, you're going to hear the God of the universe speaking to you of his love and, and how he wants to enter into your personal life and, and make it really life. Um, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. So I got to put in a, 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 a shout out for the Bible. Okay, two quick verses in Matthew chapter 13. I said it was a pit stop, um, but we'll be coming back to it. So Matthew chapter 13, we're gonna pick it up in verse 45, Jesus tells a really short story, but it's got a lot for us, a lot for us. So let's take a look at that. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all he had and bought it. This guy sold out, right? And this is so good for us this morning because it ties in so closely with what we're going to talk about. Um, This is what you do with treasure, right? This is what you're supposed to do with treasure. You find something that is of ultimate value, right? And you sell it all and you, you get that thing. You get that thing, right? It, it's worth it. So so what this is saying to us is that smart people, and we all want to be smart people, right? When we see the thing that we've looked for for our whole lives, the one thing that is, that is worth really having, the ultimate treasure, well, whatever it takes to get that, whatever it takes to have that, whatever it takes to hold that, we're, we're writing a blank check, right, with our lives, with all our resources, with all our time, anything. That's that's it because if you have that you have everything if you don't have that you, you really have junk so so on the other hand stupid people now we don't want to be that right they may say that they want ultimate treasure and they may really believe it and by they I mean us by they I mean we be me. may say that we really want ultimate treasure and we may really believe it but we may also Just cast all of our stuff, all of our resources, all of our self, all of our everything to get whatever shiny object or opportunity catches our eye at the minute and never really pursue and get ultimate treasure. And that's what we're talking about this morning. That's what we're talking about this morning. Are you with me so far? Yeah? Okay. I need need you to do me a solid, which for you older people means a favor. Okay, I'm gonna, tr- I'm gonna try to become cool and help you be cool in the process. Here's what it is. Hold your hands out like this, if you would. Okay, good. Now I need you to close one of the hands. Leave the other one open. Now, we are going to talk about what's in the closed hand and what is in the open hand. Now, the closed hand represents that which we cling to. That's which we will hold on to after we have let go of everything else. This is the ultimate treasure, okay? And in the Open hand, that is what may come and go in our lives. It's not really that important. If we have it, great. If we don't, that's okay. It's not gonna shake our world. That's our open hand, okay? Now, what we're gonna do, did Simon say, put your hands down? I don't believe so. Okay, there's more to this. You know, you said, how could this illustration get any better? Just wait. Okay, here's where we find out who's coordinated and who is like a colossal spaz. Okay, this is good. Okay, when I say go, what you're going to do is open the closed hand as you close the open hand. Did you see the choreography? Did you see that? It has to do with the mic. Okay, when I say go, you're going to open the closed hand and close the open hand. Go ahead. All right, now I want you to do it in reverse. Close the open hand and open the closed hand. Now, okay, good. Now you can put your hands down in your lap. Your own lap. <laughs> this is church. This is to show us that you can only grasp one thing and the other thing, the other thing you can't. You can only have one hand open at a time. And and the whole Thing is what do we hold in our closed hand and what do we hold in our open hand? Now, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not, we all have closed hands and open hands for certain things, right? So just just track with me on this because it's so important we're gonna get back to it because if we get this right, if we get the hands and the heart right, then we're gonna be celebrating and and partying for now and, and for all eternity. Okay, we're gonna look at that next week. But if we get this wrong, then heartbreak and tears are, are what waits for us now and, and for all eternity. So, so it's important. So um, I'm, we need to just stay dialed into that. And as we are, I want to visit our culture. Visit our culture because our culture continually bombards us with messages about putting stuff in our closed hand putting stuff in our closed hand because it promises to be real treasure. And and you get thousands of these messages all the time. And here's the message from God. So we want to look at the culture first and see what it's promising us. Okay, if you bring the lights down, we got a couple things I want you to take a look at. The first, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, not even Diet Coke, just regular, open happiness. Really? Maybe open belching. I don't know about happiness. Maybe opening a caffeine shot that tastes better than coffee. I'll give you that. Diet Coke would be closer, but open happiness? I don't know. Next. McDonald's jumps on the bandwagon. They're going to give you happiness in a box. I don't know what's in that box. I'm not sure it's happiness. Maybe diabetes. I don't know. Happiness in a box. Who knew happiness was so easy to find and buy? Less than three bucks. You can be happy, right? Well, all we have to do is think inside the box, apparently. I think not. Next, Pepsi ups the ante. They're not going to promise you happiness. This is deeper. This is deep stuff. they are promise you joy. Pepsi. Really? Joy. So that presumes that you can't drink a Pepsi and be depressed? I say the word Pepsi, I get depressed. I'm sorry, sir, we don't have Diet Coke. Is Diet Pepsi okay? No. I'll have a, a nice tea, please. Okay, next. Walmart, Wally World. Don't know if you can see the bottom. It says save money, live better. Think about that for a minute. Live Better, really? Have you seen the people who as recreation hang out at Walmart? Do they look like they're living better? This is where they found the Here Comes Honey Boo Boo family. I'm not to Walmart. I just, you know, it's, it's just not, it's not my posse, you know? It's, okay, Next. Adidas, Adidas, trusted brand in recreation wear and sportswear, impossible is nothing. You put these shoes on your feet and the whole world changes. Automatically, you got a 4.0. Your skin clears up, your jeans fit loose, the Broncos don't disappoint you anymore and you're no longer living in your mom's basement. Who knew a shoe could do all of this? Next, I can't even pronounce the name of this motorcycle. (laughs) Feel like God. Don't know, really. Feel like God. You can't see the fine print. Feel empowered, feel supreme, feel immortal, feel above all, right? I don't even know where to begin with this one. Feel like God. Okay, first of all, Jesus does not have bugs in his teeth. Nothing against our motorcycle folks. But I think if we took a vote, most of us would say that Jesus probably drives a pickup. Sorry. We got our Christian motorcyclers here. I didn't do this knowing you. We love you. Feel like God. Really. God has much better triceps. Next. Here is a BMW commercial. Give it a look. Wow, who knew? Joy starts at just $45,000 plus TT&L. We played that video at the first service in German, so only a couple of people got it. So thanks for, you can bring the lights up. <clears throat> who really buys that? Who really buys those messages? Really? We do. We do. As ridiculous as it all sounds, we do. We, we do because our lifestyles say that we do. We, we buy into and buy this stuff. We buy and accumulate and desire stuff because at some level we really do believe that the right stuff or more stuff or bigger stuff or better stuff does give us happiness, joy, life, impossible, makes us feel heavenly joyful, gives us a life worth living, a life that we don't have to be embarrassed about, a life we can really enjoy. We really do believe that. And if it didn't, our our culture would crash. Our our culture programs us through advertising and, and messages and things like that to key into something that's already in the back of our minds, that a certain lifestyle is the treasure rather than real life. So we tend to have this treasure confusion between lifestyle and life, real, honest to goodness, life. And we tend to trade the treasure of knowing Jesus deeply for more bigger and greater stuff. Now, it doesn't matter whether your thing is Coke or McDonald's or Pepsi or cars or Cosmetics or fashion or technology or whatever you got. It doesn't have to be even tangible things, right? Could be your job, could be your reputation, could be whatever it is, your abilities. Whatever it is, that is not treasure. That is not treasure, but we tend to spend, rather than the merchant did on the one thing that is treasure, we tend to spend it all on that stuff and then miss out. And this is, this treasure confusion is what Jesus said is going to be taking over the world right before he comes back. Right before he comes back. So turn to uh, Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18 is, well, 19 is when Jesus comes back, okay? So this is right before. This is the way things are going to be right before he comes back. I think it's, it's pretty shocking to see because it, it flies in the face of a lot of our assumptions. So uh, like the whole uh, of Revelation, uh, Jesus is showing the apostle John um, kind of a preview of what's to come. It's as if he sends the angel to the red box to get the movie of the coming attractions, right? And, and it's a very cool movie, but part of it is very sad. Part of it is very sad for a lot of people, and I love you, and I don't want any of us to be part of the sad part. And, and, and Jesus doesn't either, because the whole culture is, is melting down. It is disintegrating. It is breaking apart, okay? Okay. Worse than the Broncos in overtime. Worse than when you put uh, an Oreo into hot chocolate. Not that I'd know what happens, but it is disintegrating. And some people, some people, the people who are involved in the sad part are just crying. They're wrecked. They're wrecked. And other people are rejoicing. And it has everything to do with what we hold in the close hand and what we hold in the open hand. So we're going to take a look at what it says and the concern that I have is that many of us are on the road to the sad part, the tear part. And, and we want to get off that and get on the rejoicing part. Okay. Revelation chapter 18. We're going to go as as quickly as we can because it's a long chapter. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Now, he's saying this with excitement, okay? This is the culture of the earth. This is the kingdom of the world. This is the way things are without God, right? She has become a dwelling place for demons. A haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. So this is a horror movie, right? It's a haunted place, but it's not going to turn out and look like what you and I think this horror movie might look like. Let's take a look. For all nations all over the world have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Now, before um, the moralists go crazy on this, it's not literally about being drunk. It's not literally about sexual immorality. Will drunkenness and sexual immorality be a problem at the end? Absolutely. But in and all through the book of Revelation, this drunkenness and sexual immorality is symbolic as well, and primarily as, as a symbol of idolatry, Right? loving things more than God, loving anything more than Jesus Christ, okay? That's the symbol. So when you come across it, you know, it's real easy to, to, to proof text, but all through the book, this is pointing to idolatry, whether we use that with um, getting high or, or drunk or, or sexual immorality or not. And the kings of the earth, right? have committed immorality with her. There it is again. And the merchants, now remember the merchant, the smart merchant that Jesus talked about, these are very different. The merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. This is what it's gonna be like. This is what it's gonna be like. Passion for stuff, driving everybody luxurious living the quest for that doesn't matter if they have a lot and and love that stuff ultimately or they don't have a lot and just dream of having that stuff and work toward having that stuff that's what this is all about there's a lot of people you will hear or buy videos of or read books of who say like in the end days it's all going to be communistic and all that this does not look like communism this looks a lot like capitalism and not that there's anything wrong with that form of government, but when you put stuff above God, well, there's something wrong with that all over the place. So what this is saying is that it, it, is, it is about the accumulation of stuff. You're going to see that over and over. Verse 4, then I heard another voice from heaven saying, and, and this is to us, so we got to listen up here. Come out of her my people lest you take part in her sins lest you share in her plagues get out of there have nothing to do with this don't think this way don't live this way don't act this way do battle against this because i'm i'm bringing this down this is crumbling and i don't want you in it i don't want so this is the way of thinking this is the way of living this is the way of reacting to things that that the dead spiritual world, those who are dead spiritually, this is how they live. This is how they think. This is how they aspire, right? They're in college because they want more stuff eventually, not so that they can become all that God created them to be. They're working so that they can have more and better lifestyle, not so that they can, they can minister to God and bless people. If This is it. Get out of that. For her sins are heaped as high as heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. Have nothing to do with that. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she has mixed. As she, say with me, glorified herself and lived in luxury. Does that mean that luxury, there's that word again, luxurious items are bad? No. But nothing is to glorify ourselves. Everything is to point us back to whose stuff it really is. It's God's. It should well us up with praise and and well us up with generosity. But her heart was a, this, the world's heart was a cul-de-sac. It was all for me. It was all for my loved ones. It's all for me, right? I'm glorifying me. And that's what, that's what the world does. So second half of verse seven. So give her like measure of torment and mourning since in her, heart. She says, I sit as a queen. I'm no widow and mourning I shall never see. You can't touch me. Can't touch me. I got too much stuff. Got too much assets. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day. Now, some see this as literal as a single 24 hour period. Others see this as symbolic in a very quick, um, compressed period of time that, that all of this will disintegrate very, very quickly. And, and it really doesn't matter to us this morning uh, whether it's a literal 24-hour period or a very short amount of time. How could the economy, how could the global um, culture melt down so quickly? Because we're a global economy now. We are a global economy now. Anybody who follows the news know, knows that our, our economy in the United States was affected by what's going on in Greece. What was going on in in Europe, right? We're affected by that. Somebody bounces a check in Tokyo, we feel it here in Gunnison. Okay, maybe it's not that extreme, but we're connected. We're connected. And so, this all happens. And what we're talking here about is a culture shift. Now, um, when you leave a country and go to another country... Your currency doesn't have value. They don't accept the currency of another country, right? You have to exchange the currency in order to have buying power, right? Jesus is melting down the currency, the culture of this age, and bringing in and and realizing the kingdom that he has already invited all of us and some of us are now living in, right? Right? It takes another currency. And some of what you and I are grasping as currency has no value, has no eternal value. And not just in the hereafter, but right now, some of the stuff we're clinging to has, you're in the wrong country. This this does, this currency isn't accepted. It's what he's saying. Okay, okay, we gotta get back. Death and mourning and famine. Um, And she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Now, here comes the pity party. Here's the crying parade. You get to see who gets invited to it. And the kings of the earth, that's like all elected rulers, that's like all governments of all nations, who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her, will weep and wail over... Over her, when they see the smoke of her burning, they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour, your judgment has come. There it is again. And the merchants, these are not the smart merchants that Jesus talked about, right? The merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, Linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood. What are they using that for? I I don't know. Um, All kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour. Now, these are all luxury items. These are not necessities. Not that there is something inherently wrong with nice things. It's that nothing, nothing should ever compete with Jesus for our heart, our affection, our desire, our drive, our money. Nothing, nothing should. And and luxury has has done it to them. Wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and slaves. That is human souls. That is human souls. What does this mean? What this means... And some of you have linked into it through uh, fair trade. Fair trade, anybody into that? Oh, come on. Anybody into like fair trade stuff where you want to make sure that where you buy stuff, they're not exploiting people so that you can have, have stuff? Okay. In the kingdom of the world, in the kingdom of the earth, people are merchandise. People are merchandise. And the world will tell you, love stuff and use people to get you more stuff. That's what a lot of us do in our lives and in our work. We love stuff and use people to get more stuff. Now, in the kingdom of God, to Jesus, people are not merchandise. People are treasure. And so he tells us to love people and use stuff to bless and rescue people. That turns everything on its head. But in the kingdom of the world, they traffic human souls. People are stuff. And people are there to get us more stuff. The fruit of which your soul longed, right? That's what it's about, has gone from you. And all the delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. Now, all these splendors, all these delicacies, we're gonna see God pours it out on his people in the grand celebration. So they're not wrong. They just don't, they don't go Compete with God in our hearts, right? The merchants, there they are again, of the wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Here's same song, second verse. Alas, alas for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls for in a single hour... All this wealth has been laid to waste. Here's another group that's invited to the pity party. All the shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and those whose trade is on the sea. And then they mentioned that because there were no FedEx drivers or internet merchants at the time. But they stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city is like this great city? So they lose everything. Are they running to God? No. They're just mourning the loss of what they really valued and they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned crying out now in the old testament you throw dust on that's deep deep sorrow mourning that's what you did at like funerals and stuff alas alas for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth for in a single hour she has been laid waste and in verse 20 things turn we see that not everybody's crying not everybody's crying. We're going we're gonna to delve into that celebration of celebrations next week at the wedding feast of the Lamb. But, but uh, we, just, we get a preview here. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints, and that's you, and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a giant great millstone. These are huge, right, right? And threw it into the sea saying, so will Babylon, the great city be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. She's swimming with the fishes. Okay. And get this, all the beautiful things that God has put on the earth to point to him are gonna be taken from the culture. We say we love culture. I just, it's organized religion, I can't stand. Look, Everything you love about culture that is good, it's all about God. Read on. The sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. Electric guitars, keyboards, drums, music will be taken away from the culture of the world. A craftsman and a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. Creativity of all sorts, gone, gone. It's all of God. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. No more productivity, no more growth, no more provision for for people we love, no more more production uh, of your life, right? That's gone. The light of the lamp will shine in you no more. There's no more enlightenment. There's no more learning. There's no more discovery. That's all of God. It's taken away. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. No love. Love. I got to call you out. These guys just got engaged. I'm so proud of you guys. The joy that they feel having found the person that, that, that they feel God has given them. No more. No more. These are all good things. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, the business leaders, the captains of industry, and all nations all, all over the globe. Were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and all who have been slain on the earth. Well, this is a horror movie that doesn't look like a horror movie. I mean, yeah, it's, it's devastating that the whole culture is melted down, but really it's about stuff? Well, you might ask a couple of questions. One, where are the partiers? Where, where's the celebration? Because that's where I want to be. Okay, chapter 19. Next week, you got to be here. Next, why are the people of the kingdom of this world, of this world culture, why are they crying? Because all their stuff was in their closed hand. And it's gone. They lost all their stuff. Their God is dead. Their, their God is, is dead. And we've been in the same place. Kind of feeling that in some ways, haven't we? I mean, we have bills we can't afford and it rocks us. We lose a job. uh, We fail a class. We lose a boyfriend. Something valuable of ours breaks or gets stolen. Our health fails. It breaks our heart. It rocks our consciousness. It, 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 It ruins our existence if it's in our closed hand. But if Jesus is in our closed hand and that stuff is in our open hand, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. Does it rock the foundation of your world? No way. Why? Because what really matters, what your treasure is, can never be taken away from you. It's safe and sound no matter what storms come, no matter who comes, no matter what happens. And into this, Jesus describes why this is, okay? Turn to Matthew 6, 21. He kind of distills it down for us. And whether you believe that Jesus was God as, as, and Savior as, as we do or not, you have to, you have to recognize the wisdom, the, the timeless wisdom of what he says. Take this in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That... Whatever we value, our our, our heart, our affections, our our interest, our, our obsession, right? Naturally follows after. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I'd like to do a little exercise with this. I'd like you to help me substitute a word out here. See where it says heart? See where it says heart? I want you to put the word God there in place of heart because really... That's what Jesus is talking about. To, to distill it down, that's what Jesus is talking about. And I'd like for you to help me read out loud this passage with the word God put in for where heart is, okay? They're, they're small words, so it should be easy. For where your treasure is, there your God will be also. Your treasure is your God, right? Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Here's what doesn't make sense. That even followers of Jesus Christ tend to equate blessing of stuff having lots of stuff with the blessing of God. I mean, how often have you either thought or said to somebody who has a lot of stuff, a lot of money, a lot of bling, a lot of assets, a lot of stuff, "Oh, God has been very good to you. You've been so blessed." Well, maybe, maybe not. But we never say those words to a poor person who has incredible faith, abounding joy, and this deep, deep love and devotion to Jesus Christ. We never said, God has been really, really good to you. You are so blessed. But which one is more true? So even woven into our kind of American 21st century um, Christianity is this idea that stuff equals blessing. And so into that mix, Jesus lobs this truth grenade. A couple of verses later, Matthew six twenty four. Get this, no one, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Do you get that? You cannot, in case we missed it, he boils it all down. You cannot serve God and money. God versus money. God versus stuff. Really? This is the thing that you and I will do battle with and have to resist and be on guard against our whole lives? God versus stuff? Now, think for a minute. I mean, wouldn't you imagine that Jesus would say, the thing that you're most going to struggle against is is Satan. The thing you're most going to struggle against are in your relationships. The thing you're most going to struggle against is your waistline. Stuff? But he says stuff, you can't serve God and stuff. Put another way, does the stuff that you and I have, have us? Or does God have us? The people of Babylon were crying because their stuff had them. And they don't have their stuff anymore. So they don't have them anymore. Their stuff was them, that was their identity, that was their their treasure. And and, and and a great way for you and I to know how, how much our stuff has us is how devastated are we when we lose it, when it breaks, when it's threatened, when it's stolen, when it evaporates. How devastated are you? Man, that truck was my life. It was my life. And they wrecked it. Man, my GPA, that's... It's heavy duty, man. It's not going to be the same. And when the stock market crashed, I lost, lost my house. I lost my nest egg. I need that nest egg. I have no life. The way we know how much stuff has us is how devastated are we when it's threatened, when we lose it. And God is saying, well, before we get there, think about it the continuity of life. Now, life doesn't stop at death for those who are in Jesus. You're, a, you're an eternal being, right? You are. You're gonna keep going somewhere, right? When you die, you don't have currency. You don't have any stuff. You don't have any money. And it's too late for us to be the wise merchant and then grab onto the thing that's the true treasure. That's Jesus. And even if we could, would we really? I mean, let's use the people of Babylon as an example right? They lost all their stuff. They didn't grab the true treasure. They just mourned the loss of their stuff. Why? Because if we live a life training our hearts, training our minds to make treasure that which is not treasure, then when the opportunity to really grab true treasure comes, we're going to let it go. We can't see beyond the lie. So, so we have to do battle with this. We have to be aware of this. And, and Jesus is saying, come out of her, my people. How do we do that? How, how do we come out of her and not like, you, you know, we don't want to be like um, like those loonies on, uh, you know, um, doomsday preppers, or, you know, they're going to pull away. No, we need to be in, in society, in culture, right? But how do we not become part of that? Well, to do that, we have to get our hands right. We have to get our hands right. We have to grasp the things that are that are really treasure, and we have to, Hold loosely or not at all those things that are not, right? I want you not, not don't, don't judge me till I'm done. And then probably don't anyway. But just listen, hear me out. Hear me out. This makes sense. This makes sense on some level. Reject Jesus and cling to stuff, okay? It's an awful choice. It's an awful choice. It will wreck you. Now and forever. But what it has going for it is at least it's consistent. Here's another choice. Cling to Jesus and hold stuff loosely. If you have it, great. I'm going to use it to bless and rescue people, bring them to Jesus. If I don't have it, it's okay. I got everything I could ever want. Okay? Here we have two choices. Both one very good and one awful. But at least they have this in common. They're consistent. Here's what makes absolutely no sense at all. I'm going to try to cling to Jesus and I'm going to try to cling to stuff. And that, my friends, is American Christianity. When Jesus says you cannot serve God and money, we think we're going to be exception to that rule. And it makes absolutely no sense at all. And when we do that, we are the people that God says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts, man, they're far from me. Because we try to have two closed hands or partially closed, right? We don't want to sell out to the world just want more than our fair share. But remember what I said. You can only have one closed hand and one open hand. And C.S. Lewis put it this way. If you grasp the world, you lose Jesus and you lose the world. If you grasp Jesus, you get him and he throws the world in as gravy. Because you can see the blessings eternal. Every good thing he ever created lavished on his people. Some of you are living in that reality now. He's invited all of us into that, right? But the thing that does not make sense is to try to close your hands on both. Jesus says you lose it all. You and I have to decide over and over and over and over again, maybe a thousand times a day, Will we grasp lifestyle or will we grasp life giver? Because when life giver becomes the lifestyle, you've got it all. And when you have lifestyle as your treasure, it's always just another step away from you. It should be an easy decision when you think as we boil down until you look at us and and the things we say versus how we actually do life how we actually do life look, look I don't I'm not trying to get you to give your money this is this is not about give me your money give Bethany your money. it's not, it's not about that it's not about that this is about what do you hold in the closed hand and what do you hold in the open hand? If you hold Jesus in the closed hand, you will know of his incredible generosity. You're gonna become a person of ultimate generosity because he keeps pouring that through you. It's gonna take care of itself. But if lifestyle, if that's what's really important, well then really, I mean, you're always gonna keep your stuff and everything else on a Short leash. Don't you think it's interesting? And maybe you're like a hardcore Christian. You're like a gold medal Christian. You're a tither, you know, and God bless you. But don't you think it's interesting that in your heart and your mind, there's a limit on what you will actually give to God, but there's no limit on what you'll give to yourself or your kids. You don't want to go overboard in that area. You don't want to go overboard. (laughs) God's calling me to give, all right? You know, well, we've, we've got some boundaries. We're going to buy him off for 10%. Really? Did he tithe his blood for you? Just asking. Um, when, what happened in, in verse 18, uh, chapter 18? Uh, when what's in your hand, what's in your closed hand gets destroyed, you get destroyed with it. Because it's not really in your closed hand, is it? No, it's in your heart. And it's not that Jesus in his incredible love for each one of us doesn't warn us of this battle going on between cultures, between kingdoms for your heart, for your allegiance, for your affection. He does warn us. We just don't believe him or we do believe him and think it doesn't apply to us. Believe him. It does. It does. And I wouldn't be loving you well if I didn't tell you that if i didn't repeat it to myself mark 8:36 jesus asks a question that should cut to our hearts for what does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and forfeit or lose his soul you're moving into another country another kingdom where the currency that we cling to too often isn't accepted as of any value. He wants you to be rich in the things that last. Here's the question. What's in your closed hand and what is in your open hand? Not, not the answer that, that that we would give in church, not the answer that we wish um, was the answer, but the truthful answer. What's in your closed hand and, and what's in your open hand? Not what you would say in this place out loud. But what do the other six days and 22.5 hours provide evidence of? What's in your closed hand and what's in your open hand? Because the Bible is clear. A lot of the things that we say we believe aren't going to hold up when we stand before Jesus. It's just like your life said something else. What do you really hold here? And what do you really hold here? Let's go back. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13. To the story. Very quick story. And then we'll end. Of the pearl of great price. Matthew 13, 45. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Up until now, chances are you've been thinking of yourself as the merchant on the search for true treasure. I'd like to turn it on its head. Jesus is the ultimate merchant in search of fine pearls. And when he found the one, Of great value, he sold it all and he bought it. And that pearl of great price was you, was you. I don't think it's a stretch to say Jesus is the wealthiest person in all the universe and all of history. What did he do with that wealth? The Bible tells us he became poor so that we might become rich. He is the great merchant. He came for you. He searched for you. He found you. He bought you on the cross. He held you in his closed hand. What did he hold in his open hand? His glory, his honor, his privilege, his rights as God, his comfort, his very life, his blood. And then he allowed both hands to be pierced with nails as he died on the cross for your sins and for mine so that we could cross the bridge of his love to get home, to get set free. And so that we would know that he meant it when he says, you are my pearl of great price. You are my treasure, am I yours? The question before us all that we gotta continually answer is, is Jesus enough? Will we hold him and him alone in the closed hand? If we do, we have everything. Let's pray.